Good morning, Destiny family. And I'm so excited for this morning. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, I'm Kaya. I'm a student leader here at the Relentless Student Ministry. I've been a student leader for a very long time, since I was like in fifth grade, and now I'm a senior in high school. Oh, um, today I'm going to be talking about Transformed. And I thought about a title for a really long time, probably three days, and all I have is Transformed. So if you're taking notes, my title is Transformed. That's all I have. Um, but I'm, I'm going to be talking out of Acts 9, and I'm going to tell a story about myself, and I just want you to be open and, and listen to whatever God is speaking to you, because I believe that he has something so thick for today. I believe that he's working in his house today. So about 10 months ago, I was in Tulsa, and I, I was at a service, and I felt like God had said, give me 60 days. And I was like, okay, okay, like that's super cool. And I thought about it during the service a little more, and he would said, give me 60 days for healing. And I was like, wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal from all my medical issues in 60 days. How cool is that? No. <laughs> um, so I texted my mom, and, and I, I told my best friend, and we just began praying for, for those 60 days. And we, we began to pray for healing in my body, healing in my mind, in my heart. And about 49 days in, God, be, God began to do something that I never thought that he, he would do. He, he began to strip things out of my life. He began to to strip people out of my life and set them aside for a moment. And I was so broken and so lost and I was so dry. I literally had no idea what to do. And it, it took a lot for me to be on this stage this morning because God, I mean, God has, has truly transformed my life 10 months ago to this morning. And I'm talking about the story um, from Saul to Paul so in Acts 9, it talks about how Saul hated Christians. He despised them. He, was, he, he killed them. He did not want anything to do with Christians. Hated them. And then it wasn't until he had a moment with Jesus that his life changed. And so during those, that, those 49 days, I had about 12 days left. And in those 12 days, I... I began to press in like never before because I was so hungry. I wanted to go from dry to desperate, from empty to full, from barriers to breakthrough. That's what I wanted for my life. And, and God be I'm sorry, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and God began to do things, and I, I, I was so hungry that I finished reading my Bible. And after I finished reading my Bible, it was like, well, that was awesome. What, what's next? I didn't know what to do after that. And so I, I just begin to pray every morning, pray for, for specific people, for specific things that I wanted, that I, was, I wanted in my life. And then I felt full, and then school came, and I was dry again. And I was in one of the darkest places of my life. And then we go to camp, and it was like that, that darkness was just set aside for those three days because I was excited to be there, and God was doing so much during those three days. And then we come back from camp, and it was like all over again. Here we are, square one. And 
It wasn't until two, it was about two weeks before our baptism Sunday, Angie said on the stage, she was closing, and she said, if you feel like this is you, if you feel like you need to be baptized, do it. Don't hesitate. And God was like, Kaya, this is you. I was like, no, that is not happening. And I told my mom, like, mom, I feel like God needs me to do this. And she was like, well, if you feel like God needs you to do this, do it. And I was like, well, you don't understand, mom. I don't want to get my hair wet. And I've already been baptized before. But I was, that was my two excuses. I didn't want to get my hair wet in front of people. And I didn't, like, I just didn't want that. <laughs> I was so embarrassed to get my hair wet for some reason. And then God kept, kept pushing me. He was like, Kaya, send the emails. Tell them you want to do it. And I was like, God, no, I don't want to get my hair wet. And I just kept saying that. And then Haley looked at me and she said, Kaya, you need to do this. You need to be obedient. And I was like, okay. So I send the email. And it comes that night of baptism, and I'm literally pacing the floor back and forth. And I had braided my hair so it wasn't be, like, super crazy when I got out of the water. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pacing the floor, and I text Haley, and I was like, Haley, I don't know if I can do this. I said, I don't know if I'm ready for the change that's about to take place in my life. I'm not sure about this. And she said, Kaya, God will meet you where you're at. And that, that, that moment reminded me where G Jesus met Saul right where he was at. He didn't have to go to some fancy church service. No, he met him in the darkest place of his life. He met him in a season that he felt so broken. He didn't know what to do. He hated Christians. And it was an encounter with Jesus that changed his life for the good. From that very moment, it changed his life. So I'm pacing the floor. I was like, okay, God, meet me where I'm at. And then we get up on the stage, and they're like, why are you getting baptized? And I was like, I don't want any more control. I want God to take full control of my life. I want to sit back in the passenger seat and let God take full control of my life. And what I said did not know because we were on, I was in like, I was like the second person in line. I ended up being one of the very last people to get baptized because I kept going to the back. It'd be like, your turn, be like, oh no, sorry. You go ahead. Because <laughs> I wasn't ready for what was about to take place in my life. Because I knew that when I come out of those waters, that chains would be broken, that pressure would be lifted off of my life. And so I get into the, the freezing cold water. It was so cold. I had goosebumps everywhere, and I'm standing there, and it took me a moment to sit down because I couldn't get out of the water because I knew what was about to happen. I knew, man, God is about to move in my life. And I literally, I couldn't, that'd be so embarrassing if I just got like, I'm not ready for this. No, I couldn't do that because I, I, I knew. And my dad came up, and he had said something that nobody else knew but he had said it. I prayed this prayer back in May with my aunt, and it was nothing missing, nothing broken. My dad said that, and I was like, oh, gosh, what is God about to do? And he dunked me under the water, and I come back, and it was literally like, I can't even tell you what God did in my body in that moment. Chains were broken. Freedom took place. There was healing in my life. 
I tell that story to you because the key thing about in Acts 9, when it talks about Saul to Paul, God met him where he was at. God met me in that water. He met me when I came out of that water. But the thing is, I say that he met me, but he never left me. God never left Saul. He was there in the darkest place of his life. But it took a moment with Jesus for him to realize it, for him to realize, man, I've lived this crazy life. It took that moment. And the one thought the next day, because let me tell you, the next day after you do something amazing, after you have an encounter with Jesus, the next day is so hard. Like, it is so hard for some reason. I don't want to get out of bed. I was like, oh, I'm just dreading going to work. I can't do this. And, and the one thought that kept coming in my mind was, what, what would people think? Like, I've already been baptized before. What do people think about me? What do people think about Saul when he gave his life to Jesus after killing thousands of Christians? What did people think? But it wasn't about Saul anymore. It was about Jesus working through Saul. It wasn't about me in those waters. That was about what God was doing in me. So know that it is not about your glory. It is about his glory. And I, I said the next day was tough. It was tough. But it wasn't just the next day. It was the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. But I looked at the def definition of transformed and it is changed. And I was like, well, that's helpful. Like, okay. But in order to be changed, you have to, in order to be transformed, you have to be changed. And change takes time. It's a process. Change isn't just instant. You have to work for it. You have to want to be changed. You have to want to be better. So take hold of what you want and take that next step. Take that step. You know, decide, I'm going to be different. My day is a good day. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm going over. I'm not going under. Take authority now. That is all I have for you. <laughs> I'm going to pray. Uh, <laughs> I just want to ask before I pray that if you would just open your hands like this and you would just close your eyes. Jesus, would you just continue to fill this place? God, that you would you would just let your presence be so thick. Thank you for entering this house this morning. Thank you for what you're doing and what you've done. God, we ask right now that we, we would just sit back and we would let you take full control of our life. God, we want nothing but your way. God, it is all about you. It is no longer about us. We lay everything at your feet. Today is a good day. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, what a powerful way to start this morning. And I just want to take some time to say thank you, guys. Thank you, Pastor Lawrence and Pastor Tracy, for giving our students the opportunity to come up here and share what God has done in their lives, what he's going to do. This does not happen in a lot of places. And I am so grateful to be a part of a church that believes in the next generation and I really believe in relentless youth because I've got kids that are going to be there someday. I have a 10-year-old daughter who is looking up to Kaya, to Kaylee, to 
all these girls, and I am so thankful for a place that has these amazing young women and men of God who are just involved in what God is doing in their lives. It is so awesome. So I just want to say thank you, church family, for giving us the opportunity to share our hearts today. Um, God is so awesome, and I'm so excited to share what he put on my heart, although I feel like Kaya just nailed it, and she took so many of my points, but here we are. It's, it's because God is having a conversation, and I love when that happens. So um, Kaya was talking a little bit about Saul, and some of Saul's background was he was born a Jew with Roman citizenship, and back then that meant a lot. To have Roman citizenship was a big deal. Uh, he was educated. He was smart. He studied with a rabbi who was very famous named Gamaliel. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but that's okay. There's lots of names in the, in the Bible I can't pronounce correctly. But anyway, the point is he was a very well-respected rabbi, and Paul, Saul was his student. So Saul was in a really good position in his life. He was smart. He was educated. He had authority. He was from a good family. He had citizenship with the, with, in Rome. But there was something missing still. It was all very surface level for Saul. And it was because it was all about religion at that point. It wasn't about the relationship with Jesus because he hadn't met Jesus yet. He was full of, of pride knowing I know stuff, and you don't, and so you're wrong for not knowing. And um, it's crazy because I have read the story of Saul's transformation, his conversion, throughout my whole life. I've grown up in church. I've heard it so many times, but as I was reading it through this time, God really took me to a deep place that I'd never really expected to go with this. Um, and it was because Saul hadn't met Jesus yet that there was something missing. He was so full of hate. He was so full of, I don't understand this, so I'm going to put a stop to it because this isn't how I think. And unfortunately, the church has gone to that place so many times. And I am so grateful to be a part of this church where I know that's not the case, a church that really seeks the heart of God. Because in John 14, 6, it says, Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. But Saul hadn't experienced that in his own heart yet. It was to the point where he just wanted to crush Christianity. He had no desire to see anybody thrive or succeed. He's like, no, we're shutting this thing down. He had a reputation. People would see him coming and be like, oh, no, we got to go. He's going to murder us. And I don't know about you, but that's not the kind of reputation I would want to have. But enter Jesus into the situation. I love what Caius said. Jesus met him right where he was, in the middle of the road. You know, she was dead on. We don't have to change to come to Jesus. The change comes after we encounter Jesus. And something I thought was really interesting was when Jesus came to Saul, he was like, What's up, man? Why are you persecuting me? Like, this isn't cool. Uh, and then he was blinded. And I'm like, that's kind of a weird thing to do. Like, why would you just blind him? But when you stop to think about it, Saul had to give up all control over his life at that point. He couldn't see where he was going, see what was being given to him. 
He had to give up complete control of his life and trust that God was going to keep him safe because he was a hated man. He could have been, he could have been being led somewhere to be murdered because of all of the ugliness in his life. And I, I know it's hard for me to give up control, so I'm sure it was hard for Saul to give up that kind of control too. But the process of transformation is not an easy one. It's not just going to come and be like, oh, okay, I'm good now. I met Jesus, now I'm, everything's fixed. Because things take time. You know, we can't just shut off our old way of thinking. We have to make a choice every day to keep renewing our minds and thinking okay, God, you did this in my life, so I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm not going to go back to the old way I used to think. We have to let go and trust that God won't leave us. He's never left us. Again, Kaya said it. She's a point stealer. But uh, he never left you to begin with. He was right there with you the whole time. And then, so he's blind. And he is just out of his element and then God speaks to Ananias, and he says, I need you to go and pray for Saul that he can live a better life. And Ananias is like, you know he murders people, right? God's like, I do, actually. And in Acts 9.15, as I was reading it, this verse just jumped out at me. God tells Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. How awesome is it that God looked at this broken man who was literally persecuting him. He was so anti-Jesus, but God said, I chose him. It doesn't matter that he was broken because God chose him. He chose you. He chose me. He chose all of us. And I'm so grateful for that. And you know, another thing I never really thought about before was Saul was kind of the perfect choice. He, was, he had a passion and a zeal, that's for sure. He had the citizenship that would allow him to travel, and he had the biblical knowledge. So he was really just this, put into this incredible position before he was even transformed, because God was setting him up for something big. And I think that God is trying to do something deep right now and letting us know that just because you're going through it right now doesn't mean that on the other side, all this hurt is going to be wasted. Because that is not what God does. He does not waste a single hurt. True transformation is a process. It takes time. And I really didn't want to share this, but I just feel like God is asking it me to do it. So bear with me if I get emotional. Um, when I was about eight years old, I was abused by an older neighbor of mine. And it left me in a place much like Saul. I was so full of hate and anger. I was ugly to, those to the people around me. I was, I was just stuck in this place of just darkness because it went on for a while and I was too ashamed to say anything. You know, I'm grateful to my mom because she had the mom sense. She had the Holy Spirit like nudging her, something's not right. 
And she would ask me, is something going on? And I'd be like, no, no. Because I was carrying the shame that wasn't mine to carry. And eventually I broke down. I told my mom. And I got help. I got therapy. And I was doing better. But there was still something missing. And it was because I was holding on to it. My transformation wasn't complete because I wasn't fully letting go. And I remember being probably a teenager at this point, sitting in a service at my youth camp. And God was like, you need to really forgive him. You need to let this go because it's going gonna, it's gonna to drown you. And I was like, I've already forgiven him, God. He's like, no, really forgive him. Let it go. Let me transform your way of thinking. And so I just broke in that moment. I broke because I knew God was right. I knew that I was holding on to it, just letting myself have an excuse to just still have that little bit of anger and, and not trust people, not trust God that he fully cared about me because how could he care about me if he let this happen? But that's not the truth at all. The truth is I had to walk through something awful. But now I can stand up here and I can talk about it from a place of healing because God is big enough to heal our past. He is big enough to transform us. When we go through it, it's not just because like, it, we come out stronger on the other side. It's because there are people in this world that need to hear about our transformation. Just like Saul, he was a murderer. And then here he is, this incredibly passionate Christian preaching. And it's because he went through the process. He had to let go of the control. In Acts 9, 20 through 22, it talks about, you know, how he began preaching in the synagogues. At once he began preaching. But that was after he had been baptized, spent time with the disciples, and walked through some things. But after the process was complete, he began to preach. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? Hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. His transformation was extreme, but it was so necessary because we got to witness what took place on that road in Damascus and because of who Saul and was, the zeal, the passion, the knowledge that he carried, he was able to become a major influence. He wrote, like, most of the New Testament. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. But not everybody believed that the transformation was real. And how many times has that happened in your life? You've gone through a change. You've let go of something. But people are like... She doesn't really, she doesn't really changed. But let me tell you right now, God has done something that cannot be undone. Saul was forever changed. And when God moves in your life, you are forever changed. And you know, it was earlier this week as I was getting ready for this. I... If I'm going to be quite honest, I have struggled so much in my quiet time lately. 
I'm in Joshua in my turn the page, and it's talking about the land. Um, Joshua is giving land to all the different tribes, and I hate geography. So reading about places, I was like, oh, why is this in here? But let me tell you, everything in the Bible is on the, in there on purpose. God cares about the details, and I'm grateful even if I can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jesus. But I, I just haven't had that desire to get into my Bible. And there would be nights where I would be like, oh, I didn't pray today. I didn't talk to God. Oh. And I just remember I kind of had this breakdown. I'm like, I'm supposed to be speaking on the stage on a Sunday morning, and this is where my life is at? And I just remember hearing this voice like, well, are you trying to do these things to be the good Christian? Or are you trying to do them because you really want a relationship with me? Ooh, yeah, that one hurt. <laughs> and I was like, oh, boy, you are absolutely right, Jesus. And I was so convicted that I had to put on some kind of show for you because that's not what God is about. God is not about presentation. He's about quality. And I'm so grateful that I don't have to be perfect to do what he's asking me to do. It doesn't matter if I stumble over my words or if I trip and fall, which I really hope I don't do. But I don't have to put on a show. I just have to show up and be who God has designed me to be and walk in the freedom that comes in relationship. Religion will strangle you. But relationship will cause you to blossom into something so beautiful you never even recognize yourself. And I'm so thankful for that relationship in my life because I would not be able to do this life without Jesus. And so today, if you are feeling that trap of religion, because it can sneak up on you. Like I was blindsided. But if you're feeling that trap of, of the religion, I just want to pray right now that God breaks that off of your life, that there is freedom from that, freedom from religion and absolute freedom in relationship. Jesus cares so much about you. He came down from heaven and died a painful, agonizing death just so you could have a conversation with him, have a relationship with him, have a friendship with him. He is the best friend you will ever have. And I am so grateful for that friendship in my life. I don't always get it right, but God gives us grace and he gives us forgiveness. And I'm so thankful for the transformation in my own life, from the healing in my past, from healing from my own mindsets even now. Transformation is a continual process. And I am so thankful to be walking it out with the one who created me. Let's pray. Father, we adore you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are big enough to handle our mess, to walk us through to freedom. We love you so much. And I just pray right now that if there is anyone in this room who is trapped by religion, that they would feel your presence invading that space and that religion would change into relationship and that you would be able to just do a good work in their hearts. Thank you that you have never left us. You have been right with us from the get-go. And I just thank you for who you are.
Thank you that your love is so big and so good. We honor you and we love you, Lord. In your holy, wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys think they did a phenomenal job today? Give it up. You guys did amazing. So I'm going to have our worship team, as they begin to get set up, we're going to celebrate together uh, as we conclude today. But before we do, I want to invite you to all, let's all stand. We're going to go back into worship, and we're going to worship one more song before we conclude and head out today. But, you know, it's great to come and hear a message and hear the, see these students come up and stand up and say, hey, here's what God's doing. Here's what I'm encouraged. Here's the transformation that's happened in my life. But it's great to hear those and be like, yeah, I'm so excited what God did in you. But the truth of it is, what's God want to do in us? Uh, where does that land on me? What do I need to walk out of here with and carry that with? And so I just want to challenge you guys. Let's, let's take a moment before we rush on with our day, before we close out, and let's put our attention back on Jesus and say, God, what do you want to do in me today? What is it that needs to be released? What is it, needs to be that, what is it in me that needs to be transformed today? to be more like you so that I can walk out of here and live like you and love like you and transform the world around me. So let's press in for just one more song before we move on.